message is new reality. New reality. The word of God says in John chapter 15 verse 4, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if, everybody say if, you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask. Everybody say ask. Everybody say ask. Everybody say ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I wanted to emphasize that point. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you because that's what's taken us to a new reality this morning. We've read that, but we hadn't really believed that. This morning I'm going to teach you to believe that, not just read that. Amen? God is taking us to a new reality. So everybody say this. Ask. Whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we pray that a new reality begins to set into our life. A new reality begins to manifest and take place right here in this building called TWBC that we call home. And Father, I pray that as we come to where home is, that's where your presence is already at, that Lord God, that you bring us to a new reality in you. You bring us to a new standard of you. And Lord God, you show us the fullness of who you truly are. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You can be seated this morning. And hey, as we're kicking off in this series of Abide, what is Abide all about? Abide is about this. It is about finding the culture of heaven and getting so accustomed and familiar with the culture of heaven that, 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 that when we bring the culture of heaven to this earth, that the culture of earth now begins to look weird to us rather than the culture of heaven. And I want to explain it like this. A lot of times when church experiences miracles, signs, and wonders, everybody says, wow, that's weird. <laughs> when in fact it should be when the church doesn't experience miracles, signs, and wonders, we look at it and say, wow, that's really weird. See, the the whole series about Abide is this. It is getting so familiar with the culture and the things of heaven where the presence of the Father is that we get so familiar with that that we then begin to bring it into the realm of this earth of what Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the job of the church is not for us to get the people to heaven. The job of the church is for us to get heaven to this earth. Hey, you weren't born to get saved and die and go to heaven. You were not born to get saved and die and go to heaven. Okay, you were not born to get saved and die and go to heaven one day. Amen. You were born to get saved, to get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, to abide in the culture of heaven so much so that you bring the culture of heaven back to this earth so people can have an experience with the Father. That's why we abide. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 10. It says, Heavenly Father, your kingdom or culture come. Your will or your culture be done on this earth in my culture as it is in heaven, your culture. Jesus is asking us to change the culture of earth with the culture of heaven. And that is the the, the premise of this whole series. And we know that God is going to do something amazing because what God does is when he transforms our earth with his heaven is it happens in a moment. And how many of y'all have had a moment with God at one point in your life? Okay, we got about 90% of the congregation not even born again Right? How many of y'all have had a moment with God at one point in your life? Amen. So as you've had a moment with God, those moments are great, but he never, he never wanted it to stay a moment. He wanted to have a moment that we stayed in that moment and abided in his presence so it could become a movement for the rest of our life. 
and change cultures and society around us. Amen? And so what we are about at TWBC is not, have, not letting you have moments, but you having a moment that, that begins to start a movement, not just for a week or a day or a month or a year, but, but begins to happen over 10 years and 20 years because you don't change culture overnight. You change culture over a long term. So we at TWBC, we don't want to have a moment. We want to have a movement over weeks, months, years, and decades that begins to transform culture and society around us that will then bring us the culture of heaven here on this earth. Give me an Amen. And we want you to understand that that is what we are about at TWBC. And I know some of you are visiting this morning and just joining us. And as we're closing down the series of Abide over the next couple weeks, the first message that we talked about, we kicked off on Easter Sunday. What is Abide all about? And it's about changing culture. And we are to change culture and impact society. The second message we talked about was to set sail. And we talked about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Was not a suggestion. It was an apostolic mandate. And what that actually means is he took that term from the, from the Romans who actually took it from the Greek that when the would send people to a new land to conquer a new land. They were to make the new land so much like the empire of Rome that when the emperor of Rome would come to the new land, he would feel just as much at home in the new land as he did in his original land. Amen? And so when we set sail, our goal was to make a culture so much like heaven here on this earth that when the presence of the Father comes to this uh, area here on this earth, he feels just as much at home right here at TWBC as he does in the culture of heaven where he came from. That's what we're about. That was the second message of the series. So our job is to create such an environment that the presence of God feels so at home with us, he doesn't want to leave, amen? Amen. He doesn't want to leave, but he wants to go with you back in your homes and change cultures and change societies. The third message that we preached was my mountain, and we talked about the seven mountains of influence, and we're not going to change them by what we think. We're going to change them by what's in our hand. The very career that you have is your platform for ministry, and if you're not using that platform for ministry, you're not bringing the culture of heaven to this earth because he wasn't just talking about it in the church. He was talking about changing the seven spheres of influence that we've gone over time and time again throughout the And so the fourth message was about we stand before kings. And it says, do you see a man that excels in his work or excels at his platform? That day he will not stand before ordinary men, but before kings. See, you thought your job or your vocation was just something you had to do so you could get to come to church and minister there. No, your job or your vocation, God said, if you'll begin to excel in it and let my anointing come upon whatever you do, whether that's working in the school district, whether that's working in a bank, whether that's a CPA, whether that's the police department, fire department, if you'll let my anointing come upon what you do, the proverb says, do you see a man who excels or lets my anointing come upon him? Do you see a man who excels in his work, he will stand before kings and not before ordinary men. See, some of you are destined to stand before kings and presidents and governors and everything else, but you got to start excelling where he's got you at your platform, where you're at. You got to start just doing the very best you can do right where you're at. And then we talked about gold coins, and we talked about the quote from Alexander the Great, and Alexander the Great said, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. And we talked about when we see needs in society and issues in society, we always say, what can I do about that problem? You aren't called to fix that problem. When you see an issue or need in society, you aren't supposed to say, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to say, I see a problem, I see an issue. What does the kingdom of heaven have to offer this? Come on now. When you see a problem in your school district, it ain't for you to fix. It's your problem to say, God, now what can the kingdom of heaven offer our school districts? 
Come on, when you see a problem at your bank, God, what can the kingdom of heaven offer? Because only thing that Joel can give out of his ability is copper, but copper doesn't suit kingdom giving. The father says, I don't give copper, I give gold instead because copper would suit the beggar's needs, but gold suits the way the father gives. We must begin to give the gold of the kingdom of God as we move forward throughout what God is calling us to do. And then we started uh, two weeks ago a message, and it was called Assembly Required. And you are necessary right where, the, right where you're at. But too many times we're, we're so busy at looking at what's missing, we don't see what's possible. We're looking at what's missing, and we don't see what's possible in our lives. And in your life, I want you to quit looking at what you think is missing and start looking at what you think is possible because you're thinking your pieces of your past disqualify you when God says, I can make all pieces work together for good to those who love me and are called according to his purposes. And so I want you to begin to celebrate your pieces and trust them into the hands of God and let God begin to do something amazing with your pieces. And as he does something amazing with your pieces, you're going to begin to fulfill and walk in the destiny that you were required. And how is he going to do it? Last week's message was called The Journey. And he's going to do it not by your so great ability to study and read the scriptures. He's going to do it by his presence. His presence empowers his principles, not his principles empowering his presence. We had the illustration of uh, 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 Pastor Jeff up here last week building Legos, and he was the, the, the resemblance of God. Everybody say amen. <laughs> he was the resemblance of God sitting up here, and he had the instruction book and all the Legos there, and he had the principles, and he had the pieces, but if I took away the presence, that Lego table would sit there for the rest of eternity with the principles and the pieces because it's his presence that empowers his principles and his pieces, not the other way around. That's how some of you can read this book from front to back every single day of your life and never get anything out of it. And one person who newly got born again can read five sentences and be like, wow, my life is transformed. It's because it's his presence that empowers his principles, not his principles empowering his presence. The only reason this is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword is because his presence rests upon it. If he were to pull his presence from it, everything would change. And so we must begin to understand that it's his presence that empowers his principles. And as we go into today's message, I said a point last week, you have to see the promise in your pieces. You have to see the promise in your pieces. And everybody say, my pieces have promise. If you're still living and breathing in this auditorium and listening to this message, whether it's by podcast or, or live right now, if you're listening to it, and you have pieces, that's God's promise that he can do something with your pieces to bring you to the fulfillment of who you're called to be. Amen. You need to begin to look at the promise that's in your pieces. And I use this scripture, Ephesians 1.17. It says, that the God of our that the, that the God of our of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say, I have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, his heart is that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts opened or enlightened, that we may know what is the hope that which he has called us to. See, if you still got pieces, you still got hope. See, he wanted to say, I want to open up your heart to my understanding and give you a spirit of wisdom and knowledge or revelation in the knowledge of who I am, and so I can make you who you're called to be to call you to the hope that you're called to be. So if you got pieces, you got hope, amen? 
And so don't give up on your pieces. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care if they're the ones you ordained by bad choices or good choices, the one the enemy brought at you through things in your life, or the ones he ordained. We need to trust all the pieces to God because all pieces work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I love the end of that scripture. And so he says, what is the hope which he has called you to, what the hope he has called David to, what the hope he has called, what, what, he's called uh, what he's called your life to be, the hope that he's called Caitlin to be. He wants you to know the hope that he's called you to be, but he doesn't stop there. He says, to know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Everybody say amen. amen. And what is the immeasurable Everybody say amen. amen. Of his power towards us. Everybody say that's me. Amen. Who believe according to the working of his great might, not your great might. You just got to seek his presence and let his might put the pieces together. You just got to seek his presence and get alone with him and give him all your pieces, even the ones hidden in the darkest places of the back corners of your closet, and say, I trust you with all my pieces. Because he said, I want you to know the hope of which I have called you to, your glorious inheritance in the saint. Your glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is it? my immeasurable greatness of his powers towards me because I believe according to the work of great might. And I said last week, it's your day of divine encounters. And many people have divine encounters looking for somebody. I said divine encounters. Somebody ain't divine. He is divine. You need to look for an encounter with the Father. You need to look for an encounter with the Heavenly Father because so many of us, when we say divine encounters, we start looking at somebody who's going to give us money. Somebody who's gonna give me the next promotion. Somebody who's gonna give me my electric bill paid. Somebody who's gonna help me out. Somebody who's gonna give me a loan to finance my business. I didn't say look for a human encounter. I said begin to look for a divine encounter so we can open up your heart with wisdom and knowledge of him so you can know the hope that which he has called you to. Amen. I want you to start seeking an encounter with him in a moment that'll start a movement for years to come that you begin to change the world around you by the platform that you have in your life. And so many people, when we get jaded with God, we begin to think of it like this. We feel like a pawn in a chess game. We feel like there's, there's, that, that God's just using us, that God's just got me here. You've lost his presence. You're starting to operate by principle. And if it's presence that empowers his principle, he doesn't just have you here. He's not trying to use you. He's trying to get you to know the hope in which he has called you to. So in your life, quit giving up on God because times aren't, aren't the way you wish they were. you got to know that there's a hope to which he has called you to and your glorious inheritance in the saints. And last week I set you up for the message this week when I said, everybody say this with me, say this with me today. Today, everything changes. Say it one more time. Today, everything changes. I wanted you to say that over and over last week because today I was setting you up for today. Everything's really going to change. Everything really is going to change because today we enter into a new reality. And to introduce this message, I want them to show a video clip right quick. Because as we walk into the power of God, new realities should take place. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. 
You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. I've ever seen that movie before. You know how the whole story ends and how the whole story goes. And uh, as we talked about the seven mountains of influence over the weeks in the past, I want to bring this up because many of us don't realize that the seven mountains of influence are kind of what they were talking about. You were born a slave and you didn't even know it. You were born to the world system, the world's way of doing things, the world's opportunities, the world's way you should have church, the world's way you should be living your life, the world's way through social media, the world's way through science and technology, the world's way through how to raise your family, the world's way of how you do everything through government, politics, religion, economics, the world's way is all around us and you were born a slave to it and you didn't even know it. But the truth is this morning that God says here's an opportunity for you to see the world for what it really is. A new reality can take place in your life today. It's a kingdom reality that God wants to birth on the inside of you. It's a reality of his kingdom that supersedes the seven mountains of influence that you've been born a slave to. But the only thing that I can offer you this morning is simply this. It's the truth. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. But it is the truth of God that he wants to bring you into a new reality in him so that you don't operate within the seventh mountains of influence. You begin to operate outside the seven mountains of influence because of his kingdom reality that's wanting to be birthed in your life today. And with that kingdom reality, the seven mountains of influence are destined to change. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Come on. There's a new truth. And I can't say there's a new truth. There's a real truth that's always been there. Come on, it ain't nothing new. It happened when Jesus died on the cross and was raised again from the dead. It's not a new truth. The problem is many of us have been born a slave and we've been living under a a, a false reality of what it really is. And I love that line in there. It says, you cannot be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. And the same thing, abide is not just being told about what the realities of the kingdom of God are, but it's about you experiencing the kingdom of God and the realities of the kingdom of God for itself. Come on now. 
It should no longer be satisfactory for you to sit in a church service and see pastors lay their hands on people and see sick people healed and see uh, deaf people here and see emotional trauma immediately restored. It should no longer be satisfactory for you because it's time for you to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God for yourself. Come on now. It is time for you not to just be told about what the kingdom of God is. It's time for you to embrace his presence, step into the kingdom, step into a new reality of it's not just for a pastor, it's not just for an elder, it's not just for those who are super spiritual, but it is for me because I was born again and Jesus told me, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. So I want you this morning to embrace a new reality of his kingdom that operates outside the matrix of the seven mountains of influence that continually keep you a slave because there's something greater and you can be set free into a new reality today. Come on. If you want some of this, it's time for you to say, I want it. And here's why. Because some of you, I, 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 I don't believe God ever gives up on people. I, I really don't. But I do know this, that life happens in seasons sometimes. And I like to equate it to surfing. I love watching surfing. And if you've ever been surfing, this is what happens. The waves come in sets of three. And if you miss the first wave, there's a second wave that's usually a little bit bigger or better. But if you miss the second wave, there's a third wave that you can't ever really tell. But if you miss the third wave, you got to let it go on in. And you got to sit out there till a whole nother set begins to come in. I don't believe God's giving up on anybody, but I do truly believe this. Your set of waves is coming in. And if you don't get on this wave and begin to ride this surfboard, it can pass you by. And you can sit out here for a whole nother season and miss the kingdom and the realities of God. This is your last chance. It's not your last chance, but it's a good line. He he did great in the movie. It's not your last chance. But oh, why do you want to put the kingdom realities off to another season? Why do you want to postpone the kingdom and the power of God and the reality you can walk in now for what could happen in the future? I don't want to miss those opportunities in my life. I don't want to miss those things. It's this new realm, this new reality. Last week we focused on that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, but, but I want to stop because this week we're focusing on moving forward. He wants to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In what areas? In the knowledge of him. Oh, Lord Jesus, we should have had shouting spell in church. He doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants to give you the knowledge of him, how you can operate in a kingdom outside your reality, how you can truly live in this world but really not be of this world, but you can do enough in this world to transform the seven mountains of influence because your new reality is in the kingdom, but you're bringing the kingdom to this world because you have knowledge of him, not just about him. Some of you know about God, but some of you got to get to know God. I mean, I'm talking know him. And God wants you to get to know him, have knowledge of him. That is the new reality. God literally wants this. He wants us to be the supernatural in the natural of this world. He wants us to be the supernatural in this world of the natural. He wants us to operate outside of the realities of medicine. Come on, give me an amen. He wants us to operate outside the realities of what economics say. See, economics say when you're broke, you should save. But the kingdom of God says if you're struggling, you need to start tithing and giving or you should always think. But if you sow, you're going to reap and do harvest if you faint not. Now, now come on. There's a reality outside of the world's economy, and it's called heavenomics, not just economics. We must begin to understand God wants us to be the supernatural in the midst of the natural. How else are we going to stand out? 
See, too many times churches just look like every other social organization. Not me, not here, not this house, not this home. This is TWBC. We're changing cultures and societies. Come on now. I will not settle for being a country club style church when God says, I've given you kingdom realities to a place to transform culture and society. We are to be the supernatural in the midst of a natural world. I understand you're dealing with problems. I understand you're dealing with cultural issues. I understand Target's doing things with their bathrooms, and I really don't care. It really doesn't me what Target does. Target doesn't dictate who Joel T. Meyer is. The kingdom of God, though, and his realities of the kingdom, though, can begin to change how I operate, even though the realities are real, and schools are doing what they're doing, and Targets are doing what they're doing, but the kingdom of God is still doing what he's doing, and I'm ready to bring the kingdom to a place in the natural and we change it. I'm just going to be, I ain't going to finish this message today. I'm not even halfway through my first point. Lord, help us. It's all right. We'll postpone it to next week. It is time that we begin to move forward in what God wants us to do. To do this, you cannot be told what the kingdom of God is. You've got to start experiencing it for yourself. You've got to start experiencing it for yourself. You, you got to be the one laying your hands on a sick person. I don't care if you feel the anointing on you or not. He said you are, so that's what you do. And even when you don't feel like it, that's when probably he can move the most because then you really know it's not you and it's him. There are some Sunday mornings when I feel as anointed as a toad getting up here. And y'all say, oh my God, that changed my life. And I'm like, who are you listening to? I'm telling you, someday you don't got to feel anointed. You are anointed, so just do it anointed because he said you are. The realities of what you feel, oh my goodness. Those realities of your feelings, man, many times are false readings. In medical science, they got something called false positives. Some of y'all have been believing false positives. When you need to believe the realities of the kingdom of God and listen, if he can do this with my pieces, some of y'all got to hear this. If he can do this with my drunken past, if he can do this with my four previous marriages, if he can do this with my years of religion and tradition, if he can do this with all my failures and my shortcomings, if he can do this with my alcohol or my porn addiction, if he can do this and work all pieces together for good, if he can do this with my pieces, what are the other realities of the kingdom of heaven that he can begin to do in my life? If he can do this with my pieces, what else is available out there? I'm telling you. Use your own life to testify. If he can do this with Joel T. Meyer, good Lord, what else can he do? Come on now. And some of y'all are saying, well, pastor, you, you, you look like you're doing great. I wasn't always so great. I was shy. I was scared. I was intimidated. I had so, no self-confidence, but I still don't have self-confidence. I got some God confidence because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I battle every Sunday when I get up here. I'm going to go full on with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I got to put my flesh aside because those things still try to creep in, but I always realize if he can do this with a little boy who moved down here when he was six under the issues of bankruptcy and who wasn't smart and who was in developmental math classes and grow into who I am today, what else can he do? What else is available? What else is possible? What else is out there? See, it's what you've gone through that should give you the greatest hope of what he can bring you to. 
It's what you've gone through. Some of y'all need to write that down. It's what you've gone through that should give you the greatest hope of what he can bring you into. And if some of y'all would start trusting what's available out there, because you've seen what he's been able to do with your pieces, he can change your life. What else is available? Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 22. It says, if thine eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. If the eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. When you break down that word single, it is translated from two words. It means one voyage. If your eye or your life be on one voyage, your whole body will be full of light. If you would set yourself on one voyage of, I've seen what he can do with my pieces, and that makes it possible, and there's promise in my pieces, and from these pieces, that should give me great hope for what's available, because if he can do this when I really didn't want him in my life, think about what he can do when I really do want him in my life. And so I'm going to set my life, according to Matthew 6, on one voyage. My eye will be singly focused on what is possible and available with the kingdom of God. There's a new reality that I'm stepping into today. Give me an amen on that. Come on. Some of you this morning got to step into this new reality, and it's your last chance. God ain't giving up on you, but it's, it's your last chance for you. Some of you came in here this morning saying, if God doesn't speak to me today, I'm not even going to come back tomorrow because I'm done with this whole thing. Well, it's not for you to be done because he's speaking to you today saying, it's your last chance. God's not giving up on you, but some of you are giving up on yourself. And if he can do this with your past and this with your pieces, what's available in a new reality out there for you? What's available out there for you? What can he do in your life? Maybe it's time we be the generation to do what other generations didn't have time to do. Maybe it's time that we be the generation to do what other generations didn't have time to do, or more accurately put, didn't really have the faith to do. What if we decided to be that generation? What if we be the generation to do what other generations didn't have time to do, or more accurately put, didn't have the faith to do. I don't know about you, but I'm fixing to step into kingdom reality. With my God, all things are possible to those who believe, so I'm fixing to just start believing. If he can do that with the pieces of my past and make Joel T. Meyer to, to, to whoever he is today, look what he can do in the future, not because Joel T. Meyer is so great, but because his potential, <laughs> his potential, I said his potential in you is greater than anything you can fathom. He wants you to know who he is and how he's beginning to do things in your life. We've discussed this a lot in pieces and assembly required that you have potential in your pieces. You have power in your pieces, but you have promise in your pieces. But if we're going to enter into a new reality today, if we're going to enter into a new reality today, can you trust him as much with your inabilities as you do with your abilities. See, see, everybody thought it was hard to trust him with your pieces. It's easy to trust him with your pieces. You've seen them. You've seen the past. But I said, can you trust him with your inabilities as much as you can with your abilities? And, and I want to phrase it like this. Can you trust him as much with your inabilities, what you don't know and what you can't do and what has not been revealed to you as much as you can with your abilities, what you do know, what you've gone through, and what has been revealed to you? See, see some of you got to trust him with what you don't know just as much as with what you do know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but we always heard the phrase, I know who holds tomorrow. 
See, some of you got to start trusting him what you don't know as much as you do in what you do know. Some of you got to start trusting him as much with your inabilities as you do your abilities. We said your platform is your, your place for ministry and where God wants to promote you and for him to do amazing things because he who excels in his work will stand before kings. And I said, trust him in what you do have. But now if we're going into a new reality, we got to trust him in what we don't have, our inabilities, our problems, our, our, our things that we don't know that are coming. I got to begin to trust him moving forward. See, we've always focused on this the past few weeks. Trust in moving forward in what you can only see looking back. And I put great intention on focusing back. But now if we're entering into a new reality, can we trust in moving forward knowing he's doing something great because it's back there? Can I trust in moving forward in every area of my life? See, I know some of y'all have gone through tragic times in your life. And you're not quite over the hurt. You're not quite over the pain. You're not quite over the, the, the grieving problem. You're not, quite, you're not quite through it yet. But can you trust him with your inabilities, what you don't know, what hasn't been revealed to you? Can you trust him with your inabilities moving forward as much as you can with your abilities and your pieces from backwards? Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Because this is faith looking back. Trusting him with your pieces to make something great. But this is where we walk into the realm of what the Bible calls supernatural faith. Trusting him moving forward when, when I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I, I don't know what the next step is. I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning knowing that his mercies are new every morning. And I'm going to take a step of faith even if I don't know. I'm going to trust him with what I don't know and my inabilities and what I don't have and what hasn't been revealed to me. As much as I am with my abilities, what I do know, what I've been through, and what has been revealed to me. Some of us, to make this transition into a new reality, you've got to get this concept. I'm going to trust him with what I don't know as much as I do with what I do know. Oh God, let that set in. Because some of you, for this new reality to set in, Joel's got to trust him with what he don't know. I'm not going to miss another set of waves in my life because I didn't trust him with what I didn't know. Because I tried to get qualified, I tried to get educated, I tried to make myself who I thought God needed to be when I should have just trusted him and who he was making me to be. So I'm going to trust him with what I don't know. I don't know how TWBC is going to look all over the world in the next five years, but I'm still going to move forward, and I'm not going to stop because of it, because I don't know. I'm going to trust him with my inabilities as much as my abilities. I'm going to trust him with those things. I'm going to trust him moving forward in what I can only see looking back. Those times in your life when all you can say is, I don't know, or it's too much. Those times when you go to bed at night not knowing how tomorrow is going to turn out. Not knowing what it's going to be like when you wake up. Knowing that you went to bed stressed and it's too much. And it's too much for you to handle. And it's too much for you to bear. Not knowing what tomorrow really holds. Not knowing who you, how you're even going to wake up in the morning with everything that's going on. When you don't know, when you're in the middle of your inabilities, this is where God says, I'm trying to show you who you are in the knowledge of me, not in the knowledge of you. I'm trying to show you who I am in you and who I'm making you to be, not who you currently are. I'm trying to bring out who I see in you by you trusting me to the fullness, not trying to keep you where you're at. Do, 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 we, do we understand this morning that 
in this realm. <laughs> We're operating outside of the earthly influences. And it does look weird. It does look strange. But I'm going to trust him with my inabilities. What I don't know and what I don't understand as much as I trust him with my abilities, what I do know and what I do understand. And if, and if God is trying to bring us into the knowledge of him, he's making you into, more, you into more than you. He's making you into the image of himself. See, God's not worried about what Joel's trying to make himself into. God's trying to make, make me look like him. I love the movie The Matrix because... Morpheus wasn't trying to make Neo look who he wanted him to look like. He was trying to make him look like who he was. He's trying to make him experience the fullness of the new reality that he was walking into. He was changing everything. I'm going to close with this statement. I'll finish the message next week, hopefully. Hopefully. I get asked this question a lot. Joel... We read in Isaiah that Lucifer fell like lightning from heaven. And we know where he fell to. He fell to this earth. And then we also know that God planted a garden in the middle of this earth. Why would God plant a garden in the middle of this earth where the deceiver, the great deceiver, fell to? Why would God put us in that situation? Why would God do that? And I'll tell you exactly why. God created Adam and Eve in his image and he never expected them to fail. God created Adam and Eve in his image. He never expected them to fail. God's creating you in his image. He doesn't expect you to fail. He doesn't expect you to falter. He doesn't expect you to trip up. When we do, he says, I've already got grace in place. Come on, somebody needs to write that down. I got grace in place for when you do fall. But God says, Joel, I'm not expecting you to fail. When you do, I already got grace in place, but I'm not expecting you to fail. God didn't expect Adam and Eve to fail. He breathed his life in him. When Joel got born again, Joel, God doesn't expect Joel to fail. I fail. I got the breath of God, the breath of life in me. And so he's not expecting me to fail. But if a time comes that I do falter or fail or I miss the mark and I don't rise up to the potential because it's too much, because I don't know, he says, Joel, I got grace in place, and there's another set of waves coming, and we're going to get you to the fullness of who you're called to be, because when you're in this reality, I'm not trying to make you like him. I'm trying to make you like me. Some of you got to realize there's grace in place. You got to realize there's grace in place, and you've said, I've fallen, and God says, I'm not trying to make you who in, in, to the world. See, I'm trying to make you like me. God made Adam and Eve like him. God's making you like him. 